Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. I am Mayor Greg Fisher. Uh, our city is at an interesting point right now. It is April the 8th of 2021, and so we're kind of coming out of the pandemic right now. Vaccines are being administered at an all-time high. Uh, we're getting, we're moving toward herd immunity. It's going to be a little while. If we keep our focus, we'll be in good shape on that. Uh, the economy is starting to recover. There's been a lot of dramatic plans announced by the federal government, the American Rescue Plan that comes with lots of resources to the city, the American Jobs Plan, and then there'll be the American Family Plan as well. And there's been a lot of really good announcements taking place in Louisville. We're making progress also on police reform, our work on advancing racial equity, but there are always challenges and we can always do more and we can always go faster. One of the things that uh, the country is uh, unfortunately experiencing, and it really started about last June timeframe or so, is an increase in gun violence and homicides uh, here in Louisville and in most every city in America. It seemed to correlate with the pandemic as people weren't able to move around as much, as police officers withdrew from communities, as community-based organizations could not meet with their constituents. And so it's leading to this uh, increase in violence we're seeing. So the timing is perfect for National Youth Violence Prevention Week as we start saying, how can we do a better job with investing in intervention and in prevention and community mobilization, uh, reentry is part of the equation as well. Because uh, when people think about violence prevention, a lot of people just think about the police. The police are just one part of it, okay? They're enforcement. I would rather us invest money up front before people have to deal with enforcement issues. And we'll be learning a lot about that during Youth Violence Prevention Week. So I'm very happy here to be, day, to be joined uh, by our guest, Miriam Ahmad of the Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods and Erica McFeeders of our youth team. And we're gonna have a conversation about what's going on. So Miriam, why don't we start with you, a uh, longtime member of our Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods. So you've kind of seen this arc of uh, how things work in the community. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what Ocean has going on in this area? Sure. Um, first, I would like to say thank you, Mayor, for the opportunity to be on this po podcast with you um, to share a little bit about um, the work of the Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods um, and a project that's really important to my team and I, um, which is um, looking at um, all of the ways that young people's voices could be centered and elevated in um, the projects, initiatives, and activities of the Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods. Um, as you know, we have new leadership and we're really um, looking at ways to address violence from its roots to its fruits. So looking at um, all of the ways that we can engage people across systems. So the um, economic uh, development and employment system, education system, the criminal and juvenile justice system, as well as looking at um, health and social wellness and community building. Um, a lot of our work has shifted from looking at programming to really looking at ways that we can influence policy. Um, as a department, we understand um, the places that we worship, eat, play, work, all influence um, our opportunities to reach our full potential. And so we're looking at ways to improve access and resources and just ways to really engage community across um, all sectors. Well, and so you mentioned community. Uh, how can the community, community be involved in the work that you all do? 
One way that the community can be involved in the work that we do is engage in National Youth Violence Prevention Week that is happening this week. It is a week that is dedicated to raising awareness um, around youth violence. Um, and Erica is going to talk a little bit more about that here. Um, another way is for folks to reach out to our community outreach specialists to get connected to employment, um, expungements, um, mental health resources, and any services that could really um, remove barriers that folks are experiencing. Uh, we'd also like to invite folks to our upcoming Ambassador Institute that's happening on April 24th. It is a three and a half hour training that is um, dedicated to training folks who are interested in making a difference um, by teaching skills and knowledge around the CDC approach to violence prevention, suicide prevention, conflict resolution, community organizing, and mental health first aid 101. So folks could utilize the skills and knowledge that um, they obtain from these trainings to become change agents within their own communities. So there's a lot of ways to plug in. Yes. All right, let's hear about one of those ways to plug in. Erica, you're a member of our One Love Youth Implementation Team. So tell us a little bit about the team and what motivated you to become part of that. So this is my first year um, being a part of the youth implementation team. And I first heard about it um, through another uh, community member. They kind of mentioned it to me. And, um, you know, after learning a little bit more, I applied. And then uh, I was, you know, invited to be a part of the team. Um, and ever since, it's been awesome. We talk a lot about what violence is um, and how to combat that, as well as what we can do as a team um, to start change and uh, make sure that other youth um, from ages 15 to 26 are able to be a part of it in coming years, um, as well as events that we have like uh, Youth Violence Prevention Week um, and other things that we are able to come up with. So, yeah. So you're getting a lot of, out of that. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're in school and kind of what, how you keep your day full. <laughs> I go to Central High School. Um, I am a part of the Law and Government Magnet there, as well as the Montessori program. Um, I'm also the first graduating class of the Montessori program, so um, it's, it's been fun. And I also am the yearbook editor there. Um, I spend a lot of time as the class president there, and I'm also a part of a bunch of different clubs around the school. Um, so I just kind of do a little bit of everything at Central. Um, and then in my free time, I work at CVS, and so um, I've been really in the pandemic, um, as in, uh, dealing with you know people on their health concerns as well as making sure that people have what they need um, and then I you know just do stuff on the weekends I sew um, stuff like that so wow <laughs> so you're what we call a leader <laughs> some might say uh-huh and uh, some people may not know Central High School you've got a couple fam uh, famous alumni from there sure do Muhammad Ali um, there's numerous alumni but I know that there's also Miriam went to Central um, uh -huh. There's all types of people that are leaders from Central High School. And how does that impact the culture of the school? So one of the biggest things I think that Central um, tries to instill in their students is making sure that you know that you're a leader. Whether you are at Central or later in life, um, they work really hard to make sure that students feel um, the leadership within themselves. And so. 
knowing that we have alumni who go off to do great things, even if they um, graduate in 2017 or 2007 or whenever, um, you know that they will make change later on and they'll be great. Um, and I think that our teachers, um, the parents, the staff, the administrators, everyone works really hard to make sure that students get what they need um, and are able to feel successful when they come through the doors of Central. That's great. One of our JC, great JCPS schools. Of course. So youth implementation team, mm -hmm. uh, if somebody's listening to this and saying, well, I'm kind of interested in joining, t tell us about some of the activities that you all do. So we meet regularly. Um, we meet every other Saturday. Um, we discuss different things. This year we discuss a lot, of course, about violence um, and violence prevention and what that looks like. Um, I know that in past years from like our discussions that um, there's been conversations around mental health, um, around budgeting and how um, that can be changed. Um, we've talked about all types of stuff this year, um, especially with the pandemic and our meetings being online. We've had a lot of different conversations come up because we're able to kind of block off our schedules differently. Um, but essentially, it's a group of uh, youth from ages, I believe, 15 to 26 um, who are a part of a team. And we all work together to come up with different events and stuff like that. Um, and then we also learn a little bit about uh, Louisville and what um, work we can be doing in the community ourselves, as well as what we can do to uh, tell other youth in our same age range how to be better agents of positive social change. Mm -hmm. And Miriam, you've been coaching the team for quite some time. It was exciting a couple of years ago, I think, well, for several years now, we've been converting some of the focus of the teams to policy that's been passed uh, by the United States Conference of Mayors. You might want to talk about that. Sure. Um, so I have been with the office for a little over four years now, and we are on our sixth cohort of the youth implementation team. Um, at the beginning of um, the youth advisory group, um, the team focused a lot on programs and just kind of developing small groups to have discussions. And we've later realized that young people have agency and they have the radical imagination, hope, and um, possibility needed to create the change that we are trying to make in terms of making Louisville one of the safest communities across the U.S. Um, so we've shifted a little bit towards looking at policy recommendations, looking at ways that we can advocate um, here locally with um, Louisville Metro Council, and they've been very open and responsive and inviting to our young people. They've held discussions around the city budget, um, and they've really opened um, the doors to our young people to ask questions and engage um, in local governance, in the legislative body of our local governance. Um, so we're now moving towards advocacy and really improving ways that we do civic engagement with young people. I think if we make it accessible, if we recognize some of the barriers, including um, transportation, which I think one of the positive things that happened during COVID was that it kind of decreased that. We've surprisingly seen consistent attendance and participation at our meetings because no one has to like leave their house and drive to these meetings or, you know, so I think that's one of the positive outcomes of um, COVID, but we've shifted towards um, policy recommendations. And Mayor, you've worked with our young people to um, push two bills um, through the United States Conference of Mayors that was centered around mental health and 
making restorative justice the default um, when it comes to young people coming across um, the justice system, becoming involved at a very young age. We know that that really impacts their life trajectory. And so young people push to advocate that when a young person between the ages of, you know, I guess under 18 comes across um, an officer for, you know, a misdemeanor that um, restorative practices are utilized to address that harm and to come up with um, a resolution and mediation uh, for that. And it's been fabulous to see the work of the team kind of convert to policy and increased awareness. So, and I'm hopeful, you know, obviously the summer and fall of 2020 was very active in Louisville and around the country in terms of marches for racial justice. And we, I think it's fair to say we're seeing an all-time high of people then saying, okay, how can we convert that energy to policy change? And you're seeing some of the fights going on about ideology, like right now, for instance, voting rights. We saw in Georgia how the legislature down there and the governor are trying to restrict voting rights and the kind of the uproar that that's caused. We've seen an expansion of voting rights in Kentucky, but ours were very, very limited to begin with. So people are engaged in these conversations like never before, which is a really positive thing for the democracy, and people bring different perspectives to it. So when we talk about violence and, let's say, violence uptick in our community around guns and, uh, and homicides and around the country as well, different people look at it different ways. Uh, how does our youth implementation team look at the increase in gun violence we're seeing in Louisville? So um, I think one of the biggest ideas that we've come across is that violence is usually a response. Um, violence is typically um, done to people um, and not for benefit. Um, however, there, is, there could be benefits in violence in the sense that people who are inflicting harm on others feel the need to do it. And so we're looking at ways where we can nip those in the bud. Um, how can we stop people from feeling like violence is the response? How can we stop people from feeling like there's benefits in violence? Or can we provide other benefits that remove removes violence out of the conversation? Are there ways that we can completely cut out violence as an option? So I think that violence as a whole to the youth implementation team is seen as something that is here and in front of us, but it is also something that we are more familiar with than we realize um, because it is all around us. It is in ways that might seem minuscule or um, irrelevant, but in fact, it is very important. Um, there is verbal abuse, physical abuse, and all sorts of violence that extends further than a lot of us probably realize. And so uh, we've spent a lot of time defining violence and what that means um, and how it really impacts youth. Um, and we've always looked at it as something that really, really harms youth, especially um, within school systems or in the community um, or on like a family level. Um, violence in all shapes and forms can really, like Miriam said, change the trajectory of um, a young person's life. And so we've really worked hard to focus um, on how to completely remove violence out of the equation. And you, much of your generation has grown up on social media. And we see a lot of the beefs that are taking place in the community that some lead to violence originate on social media. How do you all reflect on that and see that as part of a, an opportunity? Well, we um, have talked about how 
social media can be a good and bad tool. However, we try to really use social media in a positive way. Um, social media does have its benefits, but like you said, it can be the origin of a lot of violence. And so um, instead of contributing to that, we try to um, you know, use Instagram and Twitter and things like that to promote the events that we have and the ambassador institutes and um, different things that we have. And for example, I know that um, next week, our press conference, I believe it should be on Facebook Live. So uh, making sure that events that we have are readily accessible for youth, um, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, um, just knowing that resources can be spread via social media is really important um, and finding different ways, especially for us, we're creating profiles that will be on social media um, that can just be used as an inspiration for other youth or um, as a reflection point for people who see it. Um, just to know that uh, there are young people who can't help or even just young people um, who have resources to help other young people. Great, and then just a kind of a last question. I mean, what's your advice that you give to peers to create a safer Louisville and what are some of the ways that they can get involved to, to help us with violence prevention? So um, I really advise my peers to get involved, um, whether it's at school, whether it's in the community, um, wherever your heart desires, I always say, that there is something out there for you. I started off um, just going to the public library um, and just reading there. I know that uh, if I ever kept a book overdue, I could read it off there. Um, so I automatically fell in love with that. And the next thing I knew, I got to high school and I was in book club. Um, so I think just following your passion, following the things that you love is a great way to separate yourself and kind of draw that line to where you have the resources and eventually you can expand yourself to other things, um, whether it's in the community or in your school, or it's just an extracurricular activity. Um, as for ways for us to get involved and other young people to get involved, I think um, especially tuning into everything we do for uh, National Youth Violence Prevention Week um, will be really important, but also um, potentially joining the youth implementation team for the next cohort. Um, or any other program similar to that. I know this summer, um, summer works will be happening. And so um, things like that or anything um, where you are able to devote your efforts um, to kind of help the community or make a change, I think those are the perfect things to do, um, especially to combat violence. Great, well, fantastic. So get involved. Yeah. <laughs> get involved, do good things. Right. Be a compassionate person. Exactly. All right. So in closing out, Miriam, just any advice or anything you want folks to know about Youth Violence Prevention Week and where we can get more information on that? If you are interested in getting involved or getting plugged into any of the activities that we have, um, please check out our website at louisvilleky.gov slash government slash safe dash neighborhoods. Um, you can also just Google the Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods in Louisville. Um, or you could contact us at 502-574-1903 for more information. Um, we encourage that everyone do something. We all can't do everything, but each one of us could do um, our part in making a difference in our community. Miriam, thank you. Thank you. Erica, nice job, thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, well, thank you all for listening to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. And Please subscribe when, where you listen to your podcast. And please, the week of April 12th, 
find ways you can get involved in helping young people in our community.